0: Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, a man got fucked. That's the story of black people in America. (laughs) Shit, you all don't know you black yet. You think you just people. Let me be the first to tell you that you are all black. The moment these Dutch motherfuckers set foot here and decided they white, And you get to be black, and that's the nice name they call you? Let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore. You arrive in America, land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep and fuck and make most slaves and all for what? For cotton? Indigo? For a fucking purple shirt? The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are going to farm for free is going to give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A
1: hundred years later,
0: you're fucked. A hundred years after that, fucked. A hundred years after you get free, you're still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. Angry is good.
2: Angry gets shit done.
3: You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound but of mind mind a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination that's the on-air sign up ahead your next stop Afro Nerd Radio with your guides Dee Bird Captain Kirk and on Grindhouse Saturdays the uncanny Daryl B and introducing West Coast correspondent Miss Claire Linet. Mind expansion, engage.
4: Good evening folks, we're back once again, or should I say black for more, <laughs> I'm your host D-Burt aka the Afro Nerd, and this is yet another installment of Afro Nerd Radio featuring Captain Kirk, and we have a lot to discuss, as always, the call number remains the same 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620, call in with your queries, questions, protestations, proclamations, disagreements, all that jazz, not a big deal. We can handle it. We are fully prepared. Anyway, you know, another Spacely Sprocket component of our machinery here deals with urban alternative music, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, Afropunk coming up in about two months. That should be very exciting. Um, also very exciting, and it's not coincidental, that much of the music that was played during not only the first season but true to form in the second season really is comprised with comprised of part comprised of a lot of black indie music, urban alternative stuff, uh, you know, straight R&B, definitely 90s works, 90s artists and artists you're not, you not may not even be familiar with so I feel quite comfortable with the presentation and especially the music. And we also have our infamous and and growing in number, our First Impressions video imprint, which we have at YouTube. You could definitely check it out and, and subscribe. Those will be available within the next uh, 12 hours or so, maybe even less. We have a number of videos that show us kind of just kicking it, not that dissimilar from what we're doing now, but... Try to give you a different environment. So we are gi- giving you kind of a short shrift review of Luke Cage as well as Jurassic Park. But we'll dig in deep here as well. Anyway, let's go to that groove. This may not necessarily be Urban Alternative, but then, then again, classic hip-hop, even if it's new classic hip-hop, in today's marketplace, you're not really hearing it. <laughs> I mean, you're hearing trap music or trap derivatives. You're not really hearing conventional or traditional R&B music anymore also. I don't know if that's by design. It appears that as far as black music is concerned, we're lacking. So even when someone who might be perceived to be commercial, this is a traditional artist who we don't really hear that much from anymore. I mean, not not conventionally. So this is Nas. Nas returns with Kanye West production. I'm not going to call Kanye West a, a genius, but listen, he doesn't need me. He calls himself that. But I like this particular cut. I like this particular cut, and I respect Nas's, Queen's favorite, Nas's lyrical ability. So, without further ado, this is... Cops shot the kid We'll be right back Let's groove Cops used to come around You know in my neighborhood Alright your kids Stop having so much fun Move along
0: Oh they'd arrest me You know Especially at night To have a curfew right Niggas have to be home by 11 Negroes 12 And you'd be trying to get home You know doing your crew run <laughs> They always would catch you Out in front of a store Or something Because you'd be taking Shortcuts right Cops <laughs> Put your hands up black boy
2: <laughs> Cops shot the kid I don't wanna hurt nobody. We just came here to party, see a few dames, exchange
5: some names. I'm a top shot, the kid stay in your lane. The cop shot the kid. Same old thing, pour out a little liquor, share pain for pain. Slap boxing in the street.
2: Crack the hydrogen in the heat. Cops cars on the creek, doing their roundups, we just watch for the sweet. Yeah. It's hotter than July
5: It's the summer when niggas die It's the summer when niggas ride Together we'll be strong but forever we divide So y'all are blowing my high
2: Type of shit that's killing my vibe
5: White kids are brought in alive Black kids get hit with like five Get scared, you panic, you going down The disadvantages of the brown How in the hell the parents gonna bury your own kids Not the other way around Reminds me of Emmett Till Let's remind them why our cat meal.
2: the the shot the top, shot
5: had a little hit he wasn't that hot. Huh? Cops gon' claim that it was self-defense the he was riding dirty so the case rent working that 5 fire to to stay alive. making in meet him this
2: shot 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 shot
4: Nas returns once again. Queen's favorite. Cop shot the kids. Cop shot the kid. Pardon me. Anyway, people. Um, and also, you know, I w- let me be, uh, give you full disclosure. At the top of the show, you know, all of this has been kind of expletive laden, and my apologies. You know, many of our listeners know we try very hard to run a clean operation, but unfortunately, uh, at least at this point, I don't have the capability to kind of edit out some of this stuff. So. I would prefer to edit out some of the curse words. Uh however, at the top of the show you, you heard Orlando Jones, the great actor Orlando Jones, who's with uh American Gods, which is coming up in uh sometime this year. American Gods season 2. That cold opening was from season 1 where he plays the trickster god Anansi. And as Anansi, you know, he's well dressed and he's you know, he's 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 a a godlike being that only the slaves are able to see. The African uh, captured slave folk, and they're in the holds of a ship, and he is being quite prescient as their god, telling him this is telling him the deal, what to expect. So uh, it's, it's a pretty riveting scene, and the scene gives a an, a uh, truncated, annotated viewpoint of black history in a very visceral dramatic way so why not have it on Afron Radio and also it's connected to Neil Gaiman's book and also comic book graphic novel series so it still remains very much a blurred thing it's very interesting that when black folk get involved in certain things get involved in these spaces everything gets deep Black Panther just isn't a regular comic book series It gets deep. There was a lot of depth in Luke Cage this weekend. We'll talk about that. I mean, we just come with a lot of stuff. So it's interesting that we're denied, but when we're let in, the bar gets raised. But, hey, it is what it is. Anyway, folks, this is The Grindhouse, and I have a partner in white-collar crime that you know very well. You should be seeing both of us. Uh pretty regularly on YouTube, we have as I said, we have some clips coming up real soon within the next twelve hours or so, maybe even sooner anyway, without further ado, Captain, you need it on the bridge as always let's get to it, sir space the final frontier.
6: Mind perspective We used to call each other Yo God We changed Yo God around To dog Yo dog, what up dog How you go from God to a dog Look what a dog is Second mistake First mistake, which really should have been first But you know this You put the terminology Derogatory black On all your records Plays as a mantra 24-7 And if you look at the MKUltra stuff, which they admitted to, you see there's a type of mind control in respect to that. So that's something for everyone to think about, food for thought, just food for thought, mistakes that you really can't undo at this given point. You have to just cut that reality off. Exotic physics will be needed. More in the future. Talk about that more in the future. But Let's get started, AfroNerd.
4: Coin, sir, what do you want to really get into? We can talk about Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, or we can get right into Luke Cage. Uh, I've seen even more episodes since the the actual video impressions that we did. So, what say you? Let's let's
6: go. Let's go with the big elephants, since it's making a lot of money. Jurassic World. Let's talk
4: about that. All right. So... I saw Jurassic World a few days ago and begrudgingly I think I was really more into Jurassic Park the Jurassic World as a as a series I was more into it going back many years ago and the, the only thing I can say to be completely candid is that when I re- when I remember the first Jurassic Park and how my mouth is open at the CGI grandeur and again, we're talking about many, many years ago, I thought then, because I always wanted to see, I was always into, into superheroes in science fiction, even though, even though this would be labeled science fiction also, but I could see clearly that if you could make a believable prehistoric creature, then i said, say, hey, if you could do that, then that means we could, do, we could do anything as far as superheroes. And this is where we are now, when you're able to see Thanos walking around believably, we are not even questioning it at this point. We can see a de-aged uh, Michael Douglas. Even Michael Douglas is—he's been hinting out there that he—he's willing to do a prequel to Ant-Man, w- with, where the movie is perhaps more than fifty percent him de-aged. That would be interesting. I don't know if they'll go for that, but maybe they will. You know, if this movie makes a lot of money, which it looks like it's, it's tracking to do, the word out on the street, and that's something that's. Uh, a marvel thing now, where they don't seem to have this fear of having their movies seen and the word going out prematurely. So now we're hearing it's like it's just an excellent film. So if that if the word is out, again, if it does well, maybe we will see we will see these things with the with um, with Ant Man and with the de-aged Michael Douglas. So what does this have to do with Jurassic World? Well, again, I. You can't get away from what it does on screen. The CGI is, is pretty masterful. The CGI in combination with the animatronics that's involved. Uh, we saw that 20-some-odd years ago, and that's still the case. But you know, I always talk about the singularity. The singularity is when you know the, these things start to get better, and, and who knows where we're going to be. In another 20 years, I, I can only imagine. I mean, right now it's we're at the point. I, I don't. I know logically things can get better, but you know we're at the point now where it's, it's it's as good as it gets. But I'm sure we're always improving things. That's the what we that's what we do as a culture. And I happen to also check it out at my local theater, where they have you know it's a multiplex, but so they have a designated IMAX 3D theater, which is a is slightly better than the regular seating that they have at that you know these these AMC theaters already have plush seating reclining chairs you already have um all you would, all you would think you would need but the IMAX theaters even above that so all the accoutrements were in order for me to see this film but right away and I said this uh, a little bit of this with our first impressions, I thought that it wasn't a great film. I thought that it was too formulaic. I would assume it's, you know, Spielberg loves money, obviously, so this is a cash grab. This is kind of film where you just blank out and you just enjoy the sights without too much meaning. But the the, the telegraphing of where you where you see the, the actors, where you see the creatures, what they do, the tropes, everything everything's in full effect. I saw that some of our loyal listeners, our loyal listenership, that they were very mm, displeased with the man of color, Justice Smith, that actor. Um, you know, we know him from the Netflix series. What was the name of that Netflix? Ah, oh, geez, I, I forgot – the, 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 there was, it was dealing with the early stages of hip hop anyway I, I like to see the young cat get you know get some shine but he was kind of screaming and and, and I, I mean we've seen that before we've seen that as a trope where the young man of color especially a black man where he he sees some things and he's just kind of just screaming and uh, not really effective and I don't know. <laughs> Something about that just irked just me a bit. That—that that was, you know, we see that Me Too for women and for gender. There, there's there's correct, some corrections going on. We see that clearly. That Me Too is upending some tropes, but we do not have a, a commensurate Me Too type of movement for black imagery. Male and or female. I think some, well, to be honest, I think some black females are getting a little bit of dust off of the Me Too movement. I'm saying dust. But as far as black males, not so much. We see that there's a setup for more of these movies. There's an after credit scene. We see that the Marvel culture has affected and infected much of this. High, you know, this this kind of high box office product, we see that that's that's going down too. I mean, we're being trained; the audience is being trained to stick around to see this stuff. So, you know, if you're taking the family to see this thing and you just kind of want to nod out and just do something, <laughs> that's, I hate to put it that way, but it's kind of the kind of thing you, you just do as a as an exercise, as an activity, but to really Enjoy it. I mean, for me, maybe younger folk, you know, tr- teenagers, kids, maybe if you just want to just go into this thing without clear headed, not really being so thoughtful about hard science fiction, then this movie is for you. But I can't really suggest it as anything really like serious. And I mean, look, we know all this stuff is a money grab, but we, we, you, like, you, you would think people would give you something to make you think. That's part of science fiction too science fiction fantasy is so it's it's so wrought, some may say overwrought with mythology and, and i have I have colleagues and friends and even the listeners, the listeners who I consider friends, we all enjoy kind of going about chopping it up about the mythology, really digging in deep about hidden meanings. There's no hidden meanings with this stuff so I'll leave it at that. I really wasn't. I was displeased. I I went to this thing, I <laughs> just because you know it's what we do. But I could have left it alone. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Cap, any thoughts on *A Kingdom*? *Jurassic World*? All right, let's let's. I'll
6: start like this. First of all, it's up to worldwide 711 million dollars. All right, it's nothing to do disrespect in any way, shape, or form, even though I will disrespect it. Now, that being said, these individuals know what they're doing. They know what works. I'm from the ilk. You give people the same thing until it doesn't work. Hello, Star Wars franchise. Anyway, all right? You give them the same thing until it doesn't work. The money says that what they're doing works. So you come back with the same movie Alright You're up to this kind of money But let's understand the box office mathematics Now if you spend The production budget This is according to box office mojo by the way It's not according to me Pay attention The production budget According to box office mojo Was $170 million Alright So let's be lenient This is probably not the figure But we're going to be lenient Let's say they spent 130 million for promotion and marketing. That means you're out of pocket 300 million dollars. Now, according to Open Source Everywhere, in order for them to turn a profit, they have to come in at at least 600 million dollars. They have to get half. So essentially, with this right here, they have half or a little more than half. I would, you know, more more than that coming back. All right. If you, if you look at it, it's probably about $355 million coming back their way. So actually, they're in the profit zone at this given point. And that tells, tells straight up and down, you go do another movie just like this. You don't change anything. You give the people the same dumb, tropey movie because that's what the people want until it doesn't work. That's business. All right. The numbers don't lie. They're here to make money. You understand? Now, <clears throat> why does a movie like this work? Well, let's look at the obvious. A lot of people have family, and this is something you can take the whole family to. You understand? You could take the wife. You could take the two kids. A lot of people in America do not go to the movies as I do. They don't. You alright? Single person. I just Pick myself up and go to the movies Someone like me you need something more To stimulate the palate but when you could do Your family thing that you're slacking On through the world cup Soccer and other things this is Right here this could save you a couple of weeks you'd be like All right let me get let me go do this with the family This buys me two three weeks Before I have to come up with something again I know plenty of individuals That have the wife and have Several kids All right between now and In the next two weeks, they're going to see the movie, partly because they have to do something. (laughs) Now, that being said, if I'm being totally honest, I thought the movie was trash, total trash. I didn't like the movie at all. That's me. I liked the one in 2015 that did $1.6 billion. I thought this movie was just total trash. Didn't work for me at all. All right. I like Bryce Dallas Howard. I liked her look. You know, she does something for me. You're not allowed to say that. You're allowed to say things like, Well, Chris Pratt used to be a doughboy. You understand? He get now he's in shape. You know? But I could beat him up that he used to look like a doughboy. <laughs> I cannot say anything about a woman, whether she looks nice or she looks terrible, or she just appeals to me. She's not gorgeous or anything like that, don't get me wrong but she just has an appeal for me, someone like me. All right? So I like her. Now, the things I didn't like, I didn't like, as AfroNerd mentioned, the trophy geek dude, and that's the way to put it. How he's all fearful and everything like that. They cleaned that up some towards the end of his installment in the in the movie, but... First three quarters, I didn't, I, I didn't like that at all. Some of the geeks I'm, and nerds that I know, they went to Stanford, they went to Dartmouth, they went to MIT. Some of these guys, they, they and then and then not like this guy at all. I don't really notice. They'll smack you in your mouth. I'm pretty sure that type of trope exists. You know, you you see those types there in Comic Con. A lot of geeks and nerds I know, they will smack you in your mouth, man, and then do they mathematics. <laughs> So I don't I don't I don't really like that trope at all. So I didn't like that. I didn't like Chris Pratt <clears throat> in this movie so much. I like him as Star Lord though. He's very charismatic individual. You gotta give him something to work with. I like his acting far as Star Lord is concerned. Charismatic individual. I don't like him as Mr. Impossible, though. He was Mr. Impossible in this. I like Tom Cruise as Mr. Impossible. I know a lot of you Westerners don't like uh, Tom Cruise. He does well overseas, but I like him. I like him in those Mission Impossible movies. Same movie. Don't change anything. You know what Hollywood does here. Those are are these production houses that are smart. Give them the same thing until it doesn't work. Hello, Star Wars, talking to you. All right? Tom Cruise coming up with the same type of movie, and I will be there until it doesn't work anymore. I didn't like Chris Pratt so much in this. I didn't like, at times, I thought I was in a Harry Potter movie. There were certain scenes. I said, what is this, Harry Potter? The way it was shot. If I'm in a Harry Potter movie, let me be in a Harry Potter movie. If I'm in the Jurassic World, do something else. I didn't like that. There was an opening scene where you have an individual outside and he had his uh, rain gear on. That scene to me looked so much like it was shot in a studio. They didn't do a good job with me. I found that offensive. They didn't do a good job as far as I'm concerned. I found that offensive, man. I said, look at that, man. No, man. Come on, man. It's professional, man. It's Jurassic World. Huge budget. That's something you see when someone says they got $18 million to do their movie, but they really needed 35 Not for these guys. The sky's the limit. You can do this for whatever, man. 250 whatever you want. Any money they can get. So that bothered me. And overall, I just didn't like it. I just didn't like the vibe. I didn't like the spirit, you know. It just, just didn't just didn't do it for me. I thought it was trash, straight up and down. I'm not scared to say that, regardless of how much money it makes or anything. Captain is the villain, the ultimate villain. You understand? I come through like Brainiac and Krypton, like that. Villainous like that. <laughs> not Krypton on no, Super. Not on no, Brainiac on Super. Supergirl. Forget about that Brainiac. But anyway. Back over to you, man. I didn't like the movie at all. Back over to you, Afro,
4: Yeah, just giving full information to our, to our audience as always. You know, I was talking about uh, the young thespian Justice Smith. The Get Down. The Get Down is the Netflix series. I think it's probably still on there, but uh, unfortunately it didn't get another season. And that the expense of The Get Down, but I, I actually enjoyed the importance of The Get Down being that it, it detailed – 1970s hip-hop i mean the the real birth of hip-hop i thought that was pretty pretty um impressive and important and i actually like justice smith in that and and the only thing i can say is that i like the fact that justice smith didn't play the same character that he played in the get down that we're starting to see that he has ability it's just that the, the whole trope of a man of color, because I know that Mr. Smith is of African, uh, part African American extraction. I think his mother is French Canadian. But you know that whole that whole trope of of a black man kind of just crying and whining and and, and somewhat effeminate. You know, we have seen that before. You know it's, it's enough. I mean, we can go back thirty, forty years in this with these kind of movies, horror movies, and the, the black guy is the one that's not really. Allowed to be the hero, but you know it—it could have been worse, but it it was enough that it turned me off. Seven hundred and eleven million dollars is no joke. I mean, that's a (laughs) a no time flat. I think it was actually actually released a month previously in in other locales, so it was June twenty second in the states, but still. Seven hundred eleven million, and this movie just started. I mean, this is this is not even hardcore summer. By the by, July, early August, it's probably going to be another billion dollars on this thing. So, you know, and Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, you know, he's in a number of franchises where we're accustomed to seeing seeing him as that guy. Um, movie wasn't was really wasn't my cup of tea, you know, and. and and we have some callers. That are going to bring callers in, but it must be noted that, you know, the great Michael Crichton, author, late great Michael Crichton, he created Jurassic Park, and it perhaps is perhaps it's not coincidental that he also was responsible for Westworld. And the fact that you know this, just um, Michael Crichton is of high cog- was of high cognition. You know, this is a a Harvard-trained medical doctor. So you can see where his mind was going with the kind of things that, that are, that have a sense of reality. I mean, I remember seeing the first Jurassic Park, and I knew that the science of Jurassic Park made sense, even though it was put out there as science fiction. But we know 20 years since the first jurassic park we know fully that there are scientists that are working to bring back some of these creatures in real time that is going on they're they're working to bring back we've spoken about this on our show they're working to bring back the woolly mammoth this is for real we do we do see we have seen scientists have seen DNA, you know, uh, bones and fully preserved prehistoric creatures, insects, and that kind of thing, and ember. So this is is a thing. We know that AI is a thing. So the fact that we're at the precipice where a lot of what we see in fiction can potentially be – well, not potentially – is real, it should be a little deeper than this. It should be a little deeper than this. But hey, like the captain said, seven hundred and eleven million dollars <laughs> is going to kinda push me to the side. It's gonna mush my my face and my opinion because you know, your purse strings pretty much speaks for itself. Anyway, uh we have calls and we have as I said at the top of the show, we have video clips our first impressions Where we talk about this type of stuff, so that should be up shortly. Anyway, I think this is Q Storm from PodcastJuice.net, and of course the Red Shirts. Q. Yes, it's me. What's up? uh, How are you, man? Hey,
7: let me ask you. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to ask you guys, how much did they stick you up for at the theaters for this garbage? I I paid paid like eighteen bucks, I think it
8: was.
7: How much? So, yeah, I'll, I'll be very
8: brief. 18.
7: How yeah. much did you pay for this garbage? <laughs> this well, 18. Or oh, I mean, like that? bucks. Well, for I, IMAX. I, I, three things. I'm going to be putting a review out tonight. <clears throat> um, and you guys have touched on one of the things. This, this uh, what do you call a Mantam Morlin character? Uh, Franklin well, Webb is the guy's name. I,
4: was, I, I wasn't going to go that far, but go ahead. <laughs> Uh, I,
7: I made a note in my review that it's, it's ironic that you had Corey Hawkins, another geek-slash-nerd in Kong Skull Island, who was allowed to present much more positive representation, and that film was set in 1973. This movie is set in the 21st century, and this is what we get? That's a problem. The second thing is that these aren't dinosaurs anymore. These aren't – the dinosaurs were animals and animals behave like animals they do they stalk their prey and they eat it these aren't animals these are serial killers now they they're not dinosaurs they're serial killers i'm not going to spoil anything but there's a scene literally there's a scene where a dinosaur plays peekaboo and smiles with his prey before he eats it <laughs> i was about ready to get up and like Afternoon, night after, after, after dark. I keep saying it. I was about to say epic hey, movie, and then it, it gets worse. There's a character, not going to spoil anything. There's a character who has a twist that I literally said out loud, and, and the, the couple of people looked at me in my row. They they turned their heads at me. I was like, Are you kidding me? And that twist makes me think that you know where they're going with this this franchise. They're going to go the same route as Planet of the Apes. If we're going to have talking – Blue is going to be either Caesar, like Caesar, or he's going to have a child that's going to grow up to be Caesar. We're going to have a talking dinosaur uh,
4: I might uh, want in the that. next
7: one. Yeah. Okay. You can spend your money on that. My money's too valuable, okay?
4: <laughs>
7: this movie, this movie, easily the worst movie I've seen this year. This movie is garbage, rubbish, as the British would say, absolute rubbish.
4: The only problem, Q, is that it's $711 million in, like, no time flat. That's fast, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, that's, that's, without, that's amazing speed, man. Well,
7: you know, we haven't had a Transformers movie lately, and those were making a lot of money. Maybe people wisened up. I don't know.
4: Well, don't speak so quickly.
7: They were pulling north of $600, $700 million. We haven't seen one since that last uh debacle came
4: out. I forget the name of it. Well I think Bumblebee as a solo movie is part of that Transformers franchise. That's coming out pretty soon. Uh, but uh I forgot about I, that. I, I think what happened. Yeah that's coming out Yeah, that's coming out. that's coming out. But also I you know what happened there, like what the captain said, Hollywood beats things into the ground. So the Transformers issue was um at some point, I think the last film or the last two films really didn't—they underperformed. So they they beat it until they don't perform anymore, and then they figure out something else, or they'll they'll remix it. You know, they'll they'll lay low for a couple of years, remix it, and then give it to you again. So, I yeah, I I don't know. I I I all I can say is that I got a little. I was even more frustrated because, like you said, it, it's. It's expensive to see movies that just aren't great to me. And they can push comfort on you to mask these sucky movies. I mean, we I've already I already have um you know, I was able to buy get get tickets ahead of schedule. So I mean, everything is so nice and neat and packaged. You know, you you have your seating you have uh but now with this IMAX theater that I was in which was different than the regular AMC theater more plush seats it's more high tech I mean, you know they're going to make it you're going to make you so they're going to make they're going to give you your, your own personal living room to mask how bad the film is and the fact that you could actually telegraph like you said you you can tell uh what happens with the, the, the young female protagonist, you, you kind of saw that coming. You saw who the villain was going to be. You saw how the, 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 the uh, dinosaurs would do a fake-out where a human might thought they had escaped and they really didn't escape. I mean, we've seen that for the last 35, 40 years. One thing, one thing I did not like also was throughout the entire film with, with, the, with the Bryce Howard character, I was like, why are we so enamored with these dinosaurs as if they are like dogs or deer or even bear? You know, this is a whole different ball of wax. These kind of, there's a reason why they're extinct. So this idea that they're just kind of lovable, we need to to preserve them and keep them, you know, uh, at bay and yet, on planet Earth I, that, I didn't feel comfortable with it This, this isn't PETA I felt like this was like an extension of PETA I was like come on now No no That well, part was like he, get rid of these dudes Well you see they
7: brought back Jeff Goldblum At the beginning of the film and I mean oh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum he, He's probably not even acting anymore When he's saying leave these mugs alone Stop it Knock it off He's not even acting in character. That's Jeff Goldblum saying that, and he's he's saying it metaphorically about these movies. I mean, the, the well, first Jurassic nice Park. The, the first Jurassic Park. There were some elements where the dinosaurs were played more like human killers as opposed to animals. But I'm speaking of the latter half of that of the first film. But like I said in my review. At no point in that first film, maybe it's because it was the new thing and the the CGI and just the wonderment, but at no point did I not lose sight of the fact that I was watching animals just do what they do in the wild. These movies now, these these are not animals. They're they're being played as like plot devices, and they're like they're no different than Freddy Krueger or Jason or Michael Myers at this point. They're just elements to make make us jump in our seats. They're not animals anymore. And, I mean, it's insulting.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I had that feeling also, and I'm looking at the first Jurassic Park. The first Jurassic Park is 25 years old. And, and looking at this, you know, especially uh, this weekend, I felt like this is just a little long in the tooth. The dinosaur's tooth at that. I was like, this is a little, this is a little long in the tooth, this series. But it's making money. And as a matter of fact, they had, what, a a, a 14-year break? So I, I find that interesting, that you had Jurassic – the last Jurassic Park of the trilogy was in 2001, and then Jurassic World was 2015. And I have yet to – I never saw Jurassic. I never even saw Jurassic World. I kind of knew what I was going to see. I, I, could, I don't have to see Jurassic World to know Jurassic World. So, And they're saying Jurassic World 3 is coming out 2021. So they're fully locked and loaded for this thing. We're going to be stuck with these creatures for a while. So it 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 is what it is. But uh, I thought that they could have done this a little bit a little bit better, considering where it comes from. That Michael Crichton, you know, it's interesting that his books dealt with you know man really not having any any governors, you know, man not having any impediments to. To experimentation For screwing around with nature And he does it on both, both ends of the spectrum On one side He's dealing with man and AI And the horror that could come from that with All of it is wrapped up in man Kind of messing around with stuff He knows nothing about So Westworld was one theme park On one end of the discussion And Jurassic Park is The other theme park dealing with, Both dealing with science and technology but from different perspectives. And uh, the fact that these, things, that these, these two things can, can actually happen, that's, that is where we should be if they're going to tell a story like this. That would be more interesting than kind of making these pop, popcorn, you know. But, hey, you know, it's all, it, it, it doesn't matter what, it, what I say because it made $700 million in, like, no time flat. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're going to be with us for a while, quite some time. All right, uh, Q. I want you to stick around because I'm pretty sure you want to talk about Luke Cage. So let's take a quick break to the listening audience. Again, this is the Grindhouse Podcast, the Infinite Grindhouse Podcast, and we're going to go to a quick break. And when we come back, I actually want to discuss Luke Cage season two, courtesy of Netflix. I'm going to play one of the uh, one of the cuts actually from from this from the, the series from the season two. This is joy, joy, no gray matter. We'll be right back. Two minutes. This young lady's work on Luke Cage season two. She is Joy No Gray Matter. All right, folks, we're back live and direct. I'm your host, D Bird, aka the Afro Nerd. This is the Grindhouse. And right before the break, you know, we were discussing Jurassic World and how we did not like it. I suspect we might have a different opinion, courtesy of Netflix once again. Luke Cage season two. All right. let me give you my impressions. I'm gonna bring back Q Storm. Uh well you know, instead of me just kind of loviating, let's listen to Q Storm, what he what he thinks. Q what you, what are your impressions of Luke Cage season two?
9: Uh, I'm only on the third episode. Um mm-hmm. I I didn't enjoy the first one hardly at all. I just thought it was very slow and turgid and um took a lot of First to get season gone. or first episode. First, first season again? or
4: first episode. You first said, episode you of the, the
9: second season. First first episode of the second season. Okay. All right. Uh I just thought it was very slow. Now, uh, once they introduced Bushmaster, that and that dude is man <laughs> he is like chewing scenery left and right. He's like a velociraptor himself. <laughs> mm. Um it's gotten a lot more interesting. And um I like seeing how what they're doing with uh uh What's your girl's uh co- not calling Misty Knight. I'm wondering why they keep teasing us with this arm thing cuz I'm waiting for that to happen. It just seems a little unrealistic that whether she has a bionic arm or not that someone who was on the force uh, a a a cop, uh, an officer would have had a would have been outfitted by with a prosthetic a regular prosthetic by now, but you know whatever. Um and uh uh <sighs> Mar- Mariah, the, uh, Alfred Withers, she's killing it again. Um, the one problem I have with the show, and I think, uh, uh, one of our Twitter friends uh, responded to me, uh, Daryl McCullough, you know, I love the fact that they're showing us musical, uh, you know, uh, music and jazz and stuff like that, but this is not a music video show. I mean, there was one scene, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, uh, Luke Cage confronts an ex-con who gets or well, he's a com. he he gets released on a, on a technicality and he's a domestic abuser. Right. And he confronts this guy and the scene is riveting, but they keep intercutting it with, uh, this guy who's doing some R&B in the club. And I'm like, stop it. You're, you're kind of like, just, you're, you're, you're just clogging up the, the, the drama of the scene that I, of the, of the scene I want to see with Luke Cage. So, um, I know it's a little indulgent at times, but it's starting to get better. Like I said, I'm on episode three. Maybe I just finished three and I'm moving on to four. But uh, it's picking up. Uh, it's picking up significantly. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the episodes.
4: Cap, what are your thoughts about – I mean, we spoke about this. And, again, folks, you can check out our video shortly where we did a uh, video impressions for Luke Cage. We did, actually we did for episodes one through four. I've seen as of today. I've seen uh, up to I think episode eleven. I think I'm at either episode ten or eleven. I'm almost finished up actually. Um, yeah. So Cap, what are your impressions of what you have? You completed it by the way. You know, we discussed this. I I'm trying not to do a Daryl. Shout out to our, our to the Uncanny. Uncanny. He just inhales this stuff, and I I feel sadness when I don't. When I can't see it the way I, you know, like for the first time anymore, sometimes it's not a good thing for me to see things like all in one sitting. Sometimes you want to savor and, and kind of go back and revisit certain things. So, but I can still do. But I don't know if it's a good thing to see something in one sitting. Anyway, Captain, your pre- impressions for Luke Cage season two. Hey, Afonso is a funny guy. He
6: he tried to pass me the mic two times and just couldn't pass it to me. You kept talking, man. <laughs> anyway, by the way, <clears> that's answer Q storms. Well, it's not really a question, your statement. Just to give you a little information, all of is very much deep rooted with music within their history. That's that might be one of the reasons why they're going with that. You know, there's there's a lot of history when it comes to the music. You know, clubs and things of that nature that were in Harlem and whatnot. I think a lot of listeners do know that, though. You know, you guys are pretty good with that type of history when it comes to that type of situation. Overall, I think this is a step up from season one. They have stepped it up. I like Bushmaster. You know, I I like him as a villain. I've watched seven episodes thus far. So and I'm taking my time to ingest the material. I'm not going to rush it, because when you just run through all the episodes, at least from my perspective, you end up having to go back and watch it two more times. I really don't want to do that, you know, just to say, oh, you know, I I got it in, I got it in, I got it in, at least just for me. I don't maintain a lot of the information that way. If I say, okay, I'm going to watch three episodes today, and then four this day, and another three or four along the lines like that, I ingest it very well. I remember what's going on. I can remember the intricate scenes. That's just me. Some people could just, you know, blow it all out and totally enjoy it. You know, that's just the way I like to do things. I, I like the fact I got to see Ghostface Killer. So you, you see, you bring on real rappers, people who can rap. You know, if you're going to go with rappers. None of, you, none of this trap music mumbling stuff that you do. You bring on real rappers. If that's the route you're going to go. I definitely did enjoy the music. Uh, I could get into the accents, you know. Sometimes for a couple of words, the accents are on point. They're dealing with Jamaican accents, and other times they just totally mess it up. But you know, I I'm I'm not gonna destroy them when it comes to that. I will let other people do that, because overall overall, seven episodes in, I do like what's going on. They definitely stepped it up. They mentioned as something that we talked about. On the show a few times You know Marvel with their power set issues And things of that nature You see the fact Because according to the mythos Luke Cage underwent Two treatments You know and the way they're doing it Right now he's still not the modern Day Luke Cage even though he Underwent two treatments Because if you look at his power levels As the modern day Luke Cage he can lift anywhere upward from 25 tons going up, even beyond that, you know, depending on the situation. You know, Bushmaster actually isn't that strong. If you go according to Wikipedia, Bushmaster can lift anywhere between three to five tons. But they, did, they wrote things in to show the improvement. But he does know he's a very good street fighter. He has some training as far as the villain is concerned. So it it helps explain things with that, you know, as far as that's concerned. Overall, I like it. You know, I thought season one was okay. I think this is better than okay. It's a step up, you know, from that situation. And there's a lot you can do with this Luke Cage character, you know. There's a lot that you can do with this Luke Cage character. They should always show him when he's running, show him running from the side and not the front. Because when he runs from the front you can see like he has a problem with one of his hips because he skips when he when he runs. You know, that's just something that's just something that might be with with his anatomy. So if they doing you know, show him doing a running montage or something, show him from the side. He looks well doing that. But when you know from the front, there's a little problem. You can see it. Not all actors, you know, can run well. Not everyone can be speed Austin. <laughs> the six million dollar man. But from the side it looks well. Looks nice. Looks, you know, looks good from the side, you know. It does a good job from the side. From the front, eh, might not want to go with that, you know. Uh, let's see. There's, there's, I like Misty Knight. Definitely like that character. I have two Misty Knight shirts. You don't have that. You're the, you, you know, that, that's not in your arsenal. Special made, you understand? You got to get on your grind. You got to get on your job. You understand? Shout out to Sean. You understand with that? You got to get on your job. You got to get on your T-shirt game. These things are not that expensive, but you're being lazy. You understand? <laughs> so overall, I don't, I don't have any comp- real major complaints seven episodes in. We'll see what happens later because we'll, we'll expand probably. I'm pretty sure. Just as d Bird says, Daryl watched it all probably twice by now. You know, So when Wednesday we bring him in, we'll probably expand upon it some more. Expand, expound, you know, give you all the idiosyncrasies and machinations. By then, so overall, I like it. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Back over to you, Afro Nerd.
9: Hey, D Bert, can I ask right. just a real quick? Yeah. Can I ask a real quick question, real quick, of the captain? Yeah. I gotta ask you, dude. Well, first of all, thank God for Netflix uh, subtitles, because like I said on Twitter, I don't know what these Jamaicans be saying. <laughs> I try to turn them off. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, man, I lived up there for 10 years, still don't know what it What is a Roth cloth? What is that? Well, <laughs> I just even like looked that up. Word. I know what that is.
4: You know? What is it? You know, you,
6: you, I, I, it, it pretty pretty much like a curse word. And really, it, it extends from a cloth that you are uh, to clean, like, the vagina with. You know? Oh. It really extends from really that. You know? Okay. They, they'll put. And they'll put other things on. They'll say vagina club, but the the logatory term of vagina. And they'll say cloth, you know, which is really cloth. You know, so that's what they're dealing It's really a cloth. But they cut it short because it's a patwa. It's a broken English. So, you know, there you go. Wow. And like bomba clock. Lo- yeah. You know.
4: Yeah, I actually I heard that, that too. Bomba is-
6: clot.
9: What is. <laughs> Okay, maybe we can't get into it on on, on this show.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I heard, I heard. I mean, I heard that. And I looked. I was curious. I mean, I heard it all my life. You know, being being uh, uh you know, from New York, you, you're gonna, you know, I have Jamaican friends, friends of Caribbean extraction, and that was said quite a bit <laughs> in my company. So, uh, but I never bothered to like look it up. I I, I just kind of figured it out. But when I looked it up because of the show, it did it did say like you know, uh, kind of a excrement cloth <laughs> like holy there you go <laughs> that says a lot there you go there's a lot um yeah so with with luke cage season two a few things and and again i saw quite a few episodes thus far i didn't finish it up uh, maybe i won't finish it up finish it up until next week or something i just i just don't want to i don't want to get dick so deep where Again, as I said, I don't want to be looking at this thing in in one shot, and then I'm like, i got to wait two years for Luke Cage 3. So let me at least savor it a little bit. I thought it was a marked improvement from season one. I think, in in full deference to what Q Storm is is concerned about, I, I have to go with what the captain said, that Harlem is so connected to music and to the jazz club scene it would be very difficult for them to do, a, to do a, a Harlem-based hero show without touching on certain beats. One thing that I liked, and, and I don't think this is giving any, anything away—I'll be vague about it—is that they, they, have, they have full-on discussions and references to Harlem iconography. You know, for, for what we do at this show, especially when we go to the Schomburg every year, to, to see th- them talk about. Some of these some of these folks, these 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 other heroes making that connection and being fully immersive in, in blackness and black culture and black history and black Harlem history and putting Harlem in, as it's in its rightful place as a character unto itself. I mean, this is Luke Cage's Wakanda, just as Wakanda is, is a character unto Black Panther. Harlem is very much a character, a living, breathing character for Luke Cage. And it becomes even more prevalent in season two. So the music component, and again, just as we emphasize music on this show, it was very pleasing to see some of these acts that we are familiar with and that we play, that we have on our own roster. You know, Joy was a, was, a, I think, a former girlfriend of CeeLo. So she's very much in that CeeLo goody mob clique. So it was refreshing to see that she, you know, she's a very talented songstress and, and musician, to see her there, to see some, some blues people there. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, Christone Kingfish Ingram, the young man you saw that was doing the B.B. King number. Well, I don't know if you saw that one. That might be beyond episode three. But no, I think it might have been there. Um, the thrill is gone. to see a young black man, with an instrument, playing blues. The, the oracle listens to a lot of blues. I mean, I, I listen to my fair share of blues also, but my, but the the oracle loves blues and jazz, and he's always making notice that there's a, quite a few throw shade. I mean, these are these are proficient white blues artists, but they are white blues artists. Whereas at one point, blues was perceived as a black musical. perceived in a black musical tradition that is no longer the case you know and even if you do have black musical artists the audience is oftentimes white same thing for jazz so to see a black young blues performer quite proficient in a black superhero film i thought that was pretty special so i'm not hating on the music I don't think the music takes anything away from from Luke Cage, for for my for my own personal taste. Uh, and again, it, we could be seeing like the captain said, this this could be super super fly. <laughs> you know, you want you want uh, future or do you want joy and and blues and Gary Clark Jr. who we, who's been at Afropunk? I I can't hate on that. <laughs> I'm going to Afro Punk in a couple of months, so it was right on point for me. Uh, also, the fact that Cheo Hidari Coker, the the, the uh, showrunner for Luke Cage, that he he named each episode after a Pete Rock and CL Smooth song. That is also interesting. Uh, he, the whole juxtaposition between African American the African American presence in Harlem with the Caribbean presence in Harlem. I thought that was pretty profound. So there's a lot of thing, and I spoke to the captain about this behind the scenes that bothered me, like all Get Out. Well, I did see some some few folks, uh, I suspect younger people, that are so much into the trendy mindset, like if it, if it isn't new, if it isn't brand spanking new and disposable, they're not going to like it, or they're going to they're going to say something slick. The scene where, and this has been in the video, I believe, in the trailer, the scene where you see. That there is a, 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 obviously a death threat against Luke Cage, and they think that they got him, and they, they have him in a truck, and the truck explodes. And because this guy is impervious to just about everyth- everything and anything, he walks out fully on fire without any kind of, like, you know, that was just badass. I mean, that was badass. Com- a black man, not only is he bulletproof, but he's fireproof. He's coming out in flames, not an issue. And then he talks smack video, which is pretty much what's going on in the present. If you had a person like this living and was able to do something like this and he, yeah, he's gonna talk smack to a video camera and then he dabbed. When he dabbed some folks said, Oh, I want to cut off, I wanna I want to stop there. I I I stopped there. I couldn't take that. That's so that's so uh corny or that's so uh you know, we're beyond that now. Like really? First of all, these movies, these, these films are filmed like two or three years before or 18 months. I mean, there's, there's a time lapse. But because the man did a little bit of kind of a show-off kind of thing after some superhuman feat, I didn't really have an issue with it, and I didn't think it was that big of a deal to just say, I don't want to see it anymore. This is corny. And mind you, this is a film or a series that talks about, you know, Ida B. Wells, has a picture of Ida B. Wells and explains who Ida B. Wells is. You know, uh, I mean, you, 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 I just can't hate on that. All these, all that, all that, that, that. Uh, and also, one other thing they, they talked about too, I didn't like. They were saying that oh, they're not talking about black stuff or they're, they're, they're not addressing racism. No, no, that's not the case either. They, they, they did address racism. Again, I don't know how far they got into it, but I, I would not want them to address racism from an SJW perspective, where it's like. A a Wayans Brothers TV, a Wayans Brothers movie where they say message, (laughs) you know, where it's it's, it's telegraphed that we could see message. No, I don't want that. They they did address racism, and I thought that if you're not going to address racism, every black every black property doesn't necessarily have to address racism, but it's it's good to showcase the history. Showcase showcase the pride. Uh, Mike Coulter was wearing fitted suits on occasion. He was going back and forth. You know, it was it was it was some things I like to see. That 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 we need to see. That black respectability thing that allegedly, you know, being black and respectable for some reason is a problem. I know there's some extra extra sauce on that for the audience. I know there's some extra sauce, but on the surface, being black and respectable isn't something that should be a problem. So we see this very much in this character. And considering where the character comes from, I thought that's interesting. Um, later on, you will see more of Alfre Woodard. Alfre Woodard is a, a, a phenomenal veteran actress, and she really showcases her skills in this series, even more, pronou- even, even more pronounced in a more pro- pronounced way. Uh, the late Reggie 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 E Cathy, who plays Luke Cage's father, it's it's uh, regrettable that he died a few months ago because I thought he was he was a pretty um, interesting character and the whole father son thing. I mean, this is so much like Wakanda NYC style in some way. You can see you can kind, of, kind of sort of see the comparisons, the the father son. Relationship and the father son rekindling of that, and and how that's important. Uh, there's a lot of black masculine ish going on, and uh, there's a scene with with uh, Bushmaster that I liked also. <laughs> that was very very Jim Brownish of him. Uh, and I'll just close out on one other thing too that I should I should make note of that that makes it always cool. The actor that po- that portrays Bushmaster, Mustafa Shakir. Mustafa is a comic book fan. He's a comic book, he's a blurred. So he took special attention because actually Mustafa uh, he was going up for the role of uh, what's the character um, from from uh, Black Panther uh, from the from the gorilla tribe. What Kilmonga? Not Kilmonga. No no no. Mbaku. No, no, no. yeah. Mbaku right. Yeah he he was going up for that role, and I think it was something else. So he he's been. Going around here and there, going up for certain roles in the Marvel universe. So uh, he really he really bodied the, this particular role. And even when you go deeper, they they go deeper into. That's, that's why it's important. These Netflix series really you really realize the importance of these Netflix imprints because they have enough time to extrapolate some of the stuff. You they go deeper into his history, not in the early episodes, but later on if you stick with it. There's, a, there's an explanation behind the history with his history, his family history with the Black Mariah character. Um, you know, there's, there's colorism debates there for UQ, by the way, <laughs> if you're waiting for that. There's, <laughs> there's colorism debates. There's things going on. There's a lot of black stuff going on in, in Luke Cage that I really appreciate it, believe it or not. So it, it's definitely improving. It's not It's not as... Uneven as the first one. The first one was was masterful, episodes one through, episodes one through six. They could have cut that thing in half. It would have been a masterpiece. The second half it just went somewhere. It went. It just went campy. It was just. It just. It was like two separate movies. That was a pro, well, episode one. I'm sorry, se- se- season one. But season two is a lot even, for me. Q.
9: I've heard that uh, I saw a review that someone posted up on my Facebook page that this series, more th- even more than so than all the others, it suffers from that middle ground, like around between episode five to nine, <clears throat> where they're just dragging it out to fill out 13 episodes. So I don't know if that's true or not. I'll find out. But you know, the other thing is, I, I, I don't know if it's an homage or not, but it just seems like, uh, I think most of these. Have, I don't know if Cheo Coker has directed most of these, but seems, I'm 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 wanted to say that, I want to say to them, look, you don't have to m- mimic Spike Lee. It seems so clear that they are tr- that they are trying to, that they're purposely trying to set up their camera and and get shots like Spike Lee did back in the the late '80s, early '90s, and I'm like, that's not. It's not really necessary to do that, but, you know, do your own thing. You know what I mean? I mean, let that be what it was, but, you, you know, you guys, are, you you got the gig. Now bring to the table what you bring to the table. Don't try to mimic someone else. So no, it's not a deal breaker, well, epi- but
4: it's just, yeah. Well, well the episodes, and I got to be mindful, that Esperanza Spaulding, another uh, performer was that, that we that have her? on our show quite a bit. Of,
9: was, she, it yeah, was she a big in after, it. Oh, yeah. She, okay, I thought that was her.
4: I, look, I know you had got a problem with but for me, I got to repeat this. <laughs> Gary Clark Jr., Esperanza Spaulding, Joy, Ghostface Killer, Kingfish, Stephen Marley, uh Rakim I've yet to see, but these are some of the performers. KRS-One, Come on now. Not stop it Q. Stop it. I mean this, I'm not this, talking is you, I'm what? not
9: complaining about that.
4: <laughs> I want to see I want to see I want listen I want to see neo-black exploitation, neo-black exploitation done right, balanced. I want black masculinity. Uh, Bush, um, Bushmaster does a Jim Brown thing early morning, which I appreciate it. I mean, there's just things going uh, on, cocoa butter this, stuff. I, this, this, this guy is, I right mean, here, boy, need, I, I need tell you. to breathe. I need to breathe. You have, look, <laughs> you, you complained. I'm, I'm going I'm to throw, throw this back at you. I'm gonna throw it back at you. Cotton clothes. You had mantan you had Mantan Morlin this weekend, and you had black masculinity, dark skin, black masculinity for you. Okay, so <laughs> this, 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 I know that's important to you. Okay, Bushmaster wakes up with the, the two two honey dips To the listening audience, I'm sorry. It's gonna take me a minute to conform to your wishes. It's gonna take me a minute. He wakes up. With two honey dips, chocolate honey drops, like Jim Brown did. because Jim Brown had a, a vanilla honey drop, so I appreciated that. Or you could, or we could go back to Jurassic Park with screaming Negroes and and and, and, and whatever, you want, whatever you want. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, 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 black black masculine, muscular, dark skin masculinity, with KRS-One in the background and blues music. Or you have, uh, you know, screaming mantans in, in in dinosaur films. What do you want? What do you
9: want? <laughs> Dude, all I said was, you know, they don't have to mimic Spike Lee. My man went in. <laughs> I'm
4: just saying, I'm, I'm you know we we have I, I'm listening. It's not you, but some of the the criticism I saw on Twitter, I hear you. people I just hear you. they were just, they were just going in. I'm like, you guys have no patience. And I didn't hear too much negativity about the music because, to be honest with you, there probably could be negative negativity negativity about the type of music that it is because I'm not so sure these people wouldn't want to hear, you know, uh, ape ape ish by uh, Jay Z and Beyonce. I'm not so sure they don't want to hear Cardi B. They could have had Cardi B on this thing, and would have been would have resonated with this with this crew. They could have they could have mucked this well, whole thing up. With an M by, that by that, the way. that just
9: proves that this is being produced by grown folks. So, I mean, listen.
4: Yeah.
9: I am not That's saying true. the music is a deal breaker. I'm just saying they could they could t- you know show me a shot of the woman on stage and then let's keep it moving. And so I and I can I still want to hear the music in the background. If you're in the club, I want to hear the music. I just don't want you to linger on the stage for like 30 seconds to a minute and intrude on the story. But the music can still be in the background, definitely.
4: Well, Mariah literally owns a club. I mean, I mean it's kind of it kind of fits that way, doesn't it? She's the owner of a club.
9: I, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I want to hear the music in the background while the story continues to progress. I don't want to take 30 seconds up to and up to a minute of shot music video shots of the performance. I do want to hear it, but let the story continue with the music playing in the background. That's all I'm saying.
4: All right. Can um, I ask one other question I real
2: quick?
4: You? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead, go ahead.
9: <clears throat> and this is more for Cap, because I think Cap made a comment about this in season one. I, You know, I'm still not convinced that um, Mike, is his name Mike Coulter, is that his name?
4: Yes. Mike Coulter, think, yes.
9: Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I don't know how to say this.
6: this he got better this season. He need <sighs> –
9: Okay. <laughs> he well, he, 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 needs stiff, little, I, he, he needs to be a little he
2: he needs to be
9: a little bit more yeah. raw. He needs to, I think he needs to be a little bit more raw. He he comes out to me as a guy senior hate mail to me not Afro nerd. He comes across to me as a guy who grew up in the white suburbs and is trying to be down. That's that's uh, you know what I'm saying. Am I making any sense? Anyone with me on that?
7: <laughs> I'm just not convinced well, that
6: he yeah. Well, well but but he's, not for my... hood. he's not hood You can see that He's not supposed to be hood You know you know. He's somewhat polished because they cleaned up his backstory And he used to be a police officer You know so he's, re- he's really not He's not like uh, the street guy You know He I, may be I... rough around the edges But he's <clears throat> not that There's a term I don't know you might know yeah, I,
9: I know you go through it every day, as do I. Well, when we go to work with our Eurocentric friends, we present a certain image. When we come home with our people, that stuff goes out the window. We relax a little bit. You know what I'm saying. It's the about, truth. I don't
6: know about that for me, though. I think I'm the same all around. What you get here is really what I have. <laughs> but go ahead.
9: Well, that's what Afrenur calls that maneuvering. You have to be able to maneuver.
1: And I'm just well, saying, I would like
9: me. to see, I would like to see more right. of my culture do the relaxed Luke Cage. I, I don't mind hearing more sweet Christmases and stuff like that. I, it, I mean, the, uh, he doesn't have to speak so prim and proper all well, the time.
4: Well, let me tell you something. Thing. You, you only saw.
6: It, what, oh, oh, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, I'm gonna let you go. I'll be quick. So he's not authentically black enough for you. <laughs> That's ahead, you I'm saying right.
9: that. I, I, I didn't say that. You said that. I'm just saying I know when I when I get on podcast juice, when Michael Dean and the, and the crew, I get I can okay. get a little bit I can let my hair down my kinky hair down, okay. and I can that get a little bit that. raw.
6: You know, it's nothing wrong with that.
4: Okay. <laughs> okay, I can see that. Go ahead, Apple. Straighten them um, up. To be, look look I've seen more episodes. You've seen the one through three. When you go deeper, uh, here we go. he does here deep, we go. <laughs> no, no, I'm not I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna say anything. But what I'm saying is he, he does say a lot uh, a lot more sweet Christmases. Like uh, you see he's become becoming more comfortable. Um but the character that I know of, you know, look look, that character had to be rehabilitated. There, there, there's a lot that goes on with bringing a type of black exploitation, because this is what it does. Because even if you listen to the listen to the to the music, I'm talking about the actual, uh, not you know the actual score of Luke Cage versus you know the musical interludes. It reminds me of of looking at some kind of slaughter film, you know, Jim Brown or uh, Truck Turner. It, there's aspects of it you can tell they're definitely channeling that, but you literally can't you have to update that stuff. When I saw when I on occasion I go even recently, I I'll go back to YouTube and like revisit some really old school black stuff, especially since uh Captain we were trying to do a video for, a video impressions for Superfly, but Superfly didn't go anywhere. So, it's not like we had a rush for that. You know, other ones we we would have to do. But Superfly went in the in the toilets. This new Super, Superfly. Uh but I found myself looking at these old Superfly things, and it's like some of it is embarrassing. You know, some of it it's just, is just really comedic when at the time it, it wasn't that way. We looked at it differently. You really can't go back home again, as they say. But I like the fact that they had to rehabilitate the way that character was as a comic book character in the early 70s. Because if you, if you read some of the stuff, you know, you can't even translate that stuff now. It, it, it's just – it's crazy. You know, it would be a good comedic thing to be goofy, you know, but uh, like Michael J. White, like what he's doing, would have to be something like that practically for Luke Cage if you're going to literally interpret it from 1972. So in order to, you know, and also the fact that it took many, 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 many years for the character to gradually kind of get out of this, he ended, he ended up really becoming kind of a a staid working class. Um, uh, intellectually curious hero, where his beginnings did not have his beginnings were not about that. His beginnings were all you know. He had chains around. The guy wore chains and a tiara and a bright yellow blouse <laughs> and, and blue hip huggers with uh, yellow go-go boots. I mean, you know, he was out. He was out, he was flamboyant and and even when they deal with with uh, the hero for hire, the hero for hire aspect. They go deeper into that, even the way that they approach that is—it's more—it's—it's it's milder. You know, it's milder. They talk about sponsorship and, and those kind of things. They—they're—they're they're more sophisticated about him making money for himself versus, you know, going to Doctor Doom and, and 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 kicking his ass for like two hundred bucks. I mean, Doctor—I literally remember that issue where Doctor Doom said, "I heard there was a crazy black man in Liberia," and you know. He ended up he ended up kicking his behind or threatening him, and um Dr. Zoom said you went through all this trouble for two hundred dollars i mean i mean it's kind of funny, but you can't have that down you gotta have you gotta have this stuff a little bit a little bit more sophisticated so i think that um you you gotta stick with the Q. you might see more of him letting his hair down uh and i, I think that he has better command he, he's he's less stiff for me. I thought there was a marked a difference between his season one portrayal of the character and this season. And I, I hate to say this, but Danny Rand makes an appearance and I was less upset with him. I was actually yeah. less upset. They, 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 were actually, they were actually interacting the way that I remember their interactions were in the comic books. So even that kind of dynamic and their friendship seems a little bit more organic than it did in season one and even, and even in the defenders. So everything is more mild, and I think they, 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 you know, he had to come correct, Finn Jones. Finn Jones had to come correct at some point. We got another call. Let's go to this call. Maybe they disagree with what I'm saying, but I, I, I was less offended by Finn Jones this, this time around, believe it or not. 216, welcome to the grindhouse. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up?
8: Hey, Daryl McCullough from Full Circle Podcast Show, guys. How you doing?
4: Pretty good, man. Nice to hear from you.
8: Hey, hey always great up? to talk with yeah, you. Right uh, I I I feel less violated uh with this season of Blue Cage. I feel <laughs> that Netflix uh is really I don't know. Every single episode for second for the second season has a different director, which I think that's a risk take. Uh, that they did, but it worked. Uh, every single episode. If you look on IMDb, there's a different uh, director: Lucy Liu, uh, Sally Richard. What's her name? Sally Richardson. I forget her name, but uh, there's some well-known known fu- people in there that direct. She's
4: just fine. <laughs> She's just
8: fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, how'd she get in here? But okay, uh, I I really enjoyed it. I finished it today. Um, I, I just thought it was a good Well-rounded uh, 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 Series I kind of get what Q's saying And then he talks about uh, He's a little too polished To, to, uh, to be in that environment But, but it works I'm kind of used to him now uh, uh, The music and everything uh, it, 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 Everything worked It was a politically correct Series I thought it was well done
4: Yeah, um, I, I don't know how, how quote-unquote grimy Luke Cage is supposed to be because even in the comic books, if you're going to be honest, and, and that's the, the beauty of Marvel is that they interpret what they, they interpret the source material. And over the years, and I've been reading uh, Luke Cage for many, many years, and I was, I've been very frustrated because there have been points, even into the 90s, where it, he was a minstrel show. I guess maybe at, at the time that he got involved with Jessica Jones he became a leader for the Avengers. He became, you know, he he became more polished in the comics because we're just not going to. I mean, black folks just not going to tolerate that. At least a, a great number of them are going to tolerate. Look what happened with Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller was a morbidly obese uh, kind of anti-hero villain. That's now a good she's, point. She's That's
9: a good point. <laughs> she's, she,
4: she's felt. She, she's felt. She's capable. She was always capable, but I, I think there's some folks, uh, some of some of the uh, the, the female blurs that have gained empowerment, and I, I'm not going to hate on that because you have a character called Faith. Faith is an obese white female hero, and you know because of body shaming issues and that kind of thing, and where we are with the zeitgeist, we clearly see that some folks want to see all types of all, all different body types. All different kinds of persuasions, whatever. Everyone's looking for representation. But w- but when um, Amanda Waller came onto the scene in the 80s, I don't think she was created with Black Pride in mind. I thought was she, I thought she was she was pretty much in the same vein as White Wash and Ebony, Ebony Jones, these early minstrel characters from the 40s. When these, char- when these characters are created, they have to be re- rehabilitated. That's the thing that's, that's the funny thing about uh, even in the modern era, when these comic book companies mind you, these are comic book companies. When comic book companies had created characters of color, they were always based on some kind of stereotype. Asian characters, uh, uh, Native American characters, La- Latino characters, because these are white guys that were writing and creating these characters. Once the black guys right. come in, or the, or, or the respective minority groups come in to actually write their own their own people, then these things start to make sense. Black Panther would not be Black Panther if you didn't have uh, Christopher Priest coming in to, to straighten this thing out. You know what I mean? That's why he's a badass. That's why all I, this I stuff agree. is badass I agree now. with
8: that. I agree. Now, I'm going to move over no. here and just agree with something that you said about iron fist if iron fist was to come out right now i don't think very few people would watch it so netflix said no bring him in on 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 this uh luke Luke cage and i actually was like when i saw him i was like excited almost like oh wow this is cool so if iron fist came out again i would watch it i mean they they laid the foundation for it. I thought that was well. And lastly, Luke Cage will never be happy. He will never be happy until he gets white Jessica Jones in his arms. Do you see how they did the whole Claire thing? It's nothing but frustration. It's so anger, so much anger and hostility. Wow. <laughs> I mean, really? Why do they, I mean, they're so unhappy.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I would think foundation. about that, too, because – i have to I have to confess that bothered me a little bit too, because um I actually like Rosaria Dawson. I like the way she's nurturing to him um hey, you know big upping black love i mean that representation i kind of I kind of like what I was looking at, and also the fact that she represents part of the mythology with being uh, the night nurse you know she there is mm-hmm. a thing as as a night nurse comic book i even, I even uh bought a early night nurse comic book. And uh, she represents that. So it's not like she's not part of the mythology, but I think some people kind of sort of want to see that, that uh, matchup, that they have a child together, like that whole, the alias the alias um, comic book, and they, they brought back that series. So, I mean, in present-day comic books, they are a married couple with, with a child.
2: So yeah, it's, it's going to be yeah. kind of
4: hard. It's going to be hard. I mean, you know, we can feel a certain way, but, you know, we also, we can't, we can't honor Marvel for their ability to stick with, to stick with the, um, the, with canon. And then when something comes up that we like, okay, we kind of sort of like Rosaria with the brother. You know, now we're going to, now. We, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know. Oh, on the
8: 12th episode, <laughs> he gets, he, he says a line that's kind of raw. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, Be careful!
4: I didn't get that far yet.
8: I'm already. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's not a big thing, but it's just like I mean, wow! I was like, oh, okay, interesting. So, uh, just just well done, man. I I, I I um I don't know. I I, I just I just was very impressed. Uh, not that it's Daredevil season one level, but pretty close. Pretty close.
4: Yeah, I thought that this is this is um, I thought was a marked improvement. I thought that uh, I saw a recent interview with Cheo Hadari Coker on the Breakfast Club, and it's up on YouTube for the listening audience. And they had Simone Missick, and actually, you know, it's interesting enough too is that you know her husband, Simone Missick's real life husband, plays the wife abuser. So when those two go back and forth, you have to be mindful that they're a married couple in real life. So. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. But uh, Simone Mystic, Simone Mystic, and uh, who else is on there? Um, Cheo, uh Mike Coulter, and uh, I think that might have been it. And they were talking talking about, you know, about, about um, just the improvements. Like, he was very much aware that season one was not consistent. So, mm. I, I think he went in – in, on, on a mission to really kind of get things more cohesive, so I, I appreciate it. I even kind of like the guy that reminded me of like a Sean Combs kind of guy, somewhat, somewhat like Sean. You know, he's kind of the the, the uh, piranha. Piranha I thought was pretty funny. Oh
8: yeah 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 yeah. You uh, know? I, mean, and I, I
4: also like the way I also like the way the, the, the neighborhood loves Luke Cage for the most part. Like they they kind of they right, rip right. him, they expect him to do so. I, you see the kind of family i i don't really I personally i don't think I want to see some kind of roughneck in there as, as Luke Cage personally I think he's got the right amount of balance and also you know Mike coughft is from like South Carolina or something so he's going to have he's, he's got a southern a southern hospitality thing going on as a person and as, as an actor so you know harlem maybe you might have wanted a harlem a Harlem actor or a New York City actor to do that but I don't mind him so much. I, I think he does. I think he's pretty good in the role, Daryl. But
8: I think that Bush Bushwhack guy is so raw that the balance is it, it works exactly. Uh, you know. Now, do you think what, what, uh, one other question? Uh, Q had said something about stealing Spike Lee. I, I thought that was kind of obvious. There's a scene where I'm like, really, is this Malcolm X? And you know the classic Spike Lee thing. Maybe they're paying paying tribute to him, and that's cool. But some sometimes I thought I was watching Boondock Saints. Remember that? You ever seen that movie, Boondock Saints?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. It's been a long time ago, but yeah, uh, I remember it.
8: The, the, the way that Misty uh, reenacts the scenes, uh, the crime scene. It's just certain things that I was seeing, but I let it go because I was like, well, I'm enjoying this. I'll, I'll let that slide, you know. Um. Um. The music.
7: What'd you I want to ask
9: now. You you said that again, and I'm is that a is there a scene in one of the first, either episode two or three? My wife was watching it with me, and Miss Misty is in a crime scene, and it's like she she starts talking to people that aren't there. Is, is, that, is that what is that what that was? Because my wife asked yeah. me, is she? Does she have ESP or something? And I'm like, I'm not sure what's going no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> It's
8: right out of Boone. No, no, no. no right no. out of Boone.
4: No, that, that's just her working it out. That's her process.
8: Her process. Like Sherlock Holmes.
9: Easy, like the easy. Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes type of thing? Where he would, yeah, he would show you what... Huh?
4: Similar. Like, she's literally reimagining. Because sometimes someone will interrupt her. Like, later on, there's a point where she does that. I think it's actually Luke. Luke interrupts her, and he says, "Why?" She, you know, she, she she tells him point blank, "Don't do that." I'm thinking. So her whole that whole thing is is to the audience so that you know how she figures things out. Uh, that, that's not real. That's all in her head.
9: Okay.
4: She she got a, the way they shoot
9: it, the way they shoot it, it makes it seem like she has a superpower.
4: No, <laughs> it's a little no. Confusing. no, no. That's the bionic arm. <laughs> And she can kick a little ass, when she has a blind That 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 is that character. And I'm I, the only thing I would want is that I mean the arm is okay because the arm looks like an authentic uh, prosthetic. But I also kind of sort of like look. You're in the same universe as the Winter Soldier, you know. I mean, I guess she doesn't have. I mean, they, I guess she doesn't have a connection to, uh, uh, to Charlie yet. But you know they, they they could improve that arm even even where it is now, although well I don't want to give anything away. you ever see episode episode three. You didn't even know that she has an arm yeah she she eventually gets it as you know. You saw that in commercials anyway is it's interesting where she gets the arm that that part is interesting, and I said this on on the video that will be available. I thought that Luke Cage gives even greater it gives even greater um uh, acknowledgement that we should actually have a crossover with these with these movies and TV shows. That's the thing that I think is, uh, is you know, when a guy's throwing, throwing things around, like you see his power set, everything is, is like, I mean, we know that Danny Rand has, you know, he's got his own, you know, he's a billionaire in his own right. Like all those kind of things, you would figure they, this would easily be able to mesh up with what's going on on the big screen. There's got to be some kind of acknowledgement. I think Kevin Feige, he kind of hinted that he may be going in that direction. And if, and if this last Disney-Fox deal, if we're led to believe that this is about it for $71.5 billion, then as a show of grace, they should just go ahead and just include everybody in this thing. At least that's a moment where we clearly see that this is truly an interconnected world. You know, I'm I'm pleased with it. Wow! Well, hey, it was well,
8: great talking care. with you guys. I'm gonna go back to listening. Uh, but uh, as always, uh, uh, awesome show. Love you guys. Take care. Appreciate
4: it, man. Right back at you. Appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you. Um, I see we got about 20 minutes remaining. Queue. You can stick around. The captain had to exit stage right at 7:30, so uh, we still got a, quite a few things to get into. Actually, uh, I'm not going to take a musical break. I'm going to just go just a little bit of fun talk for a minute. You know, um, DC is actually going back to printing those large comic books from like the 70s. You remember when they had those uh, Superman versus Spider-Man?
9: Oh Superman versus yeah. Uh, Muhammad, Superman vs. Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Superman versus
7: Ali. Shoot, yeah. <laughs> of course.
4: Well, they're going to they're going to reprint those well, reprint new books, l- large size books. They're going to have a large size book um, component for uh, supermarkets coming up. So they're actually bringing those back. Oh. I, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of glad that they're doing that because that was something in my childhood that I always enjoyed. I was always amazed that, that they made comic books that big, to be honest with you. So, um, and the fact that some of them even had, like, these, the, you know, the first crossovers. The first crossovers were in those books. Batman. You mean Marvel, Batman. Marvel
9: DC crossovers?
4: Right. Marvel, exactly. Okay. Marvel DC cross. Marvel DC. So, um, yeah, they're definitely bringing those things back. That's one thing I want to put out there. And also, um, Evan Narcisse, I think that's the pronunciation of, of the uh, author, the writer, comic book writer, that we know he has uh, Rise of the Black Panther. And I, know, I actually became familiar with him because of of his writing duties at io9, io9.com. So he had a piece about what if, like he was re- remembering fondly the what if comic books. And ironically, the what if comic books came out around the same time as these large sized comic books. DC had these, well, DC and Marvel had these large sized comic books. And um, Marvel had these also around the mid 70s, seventy around 76, 77. They had these What If comic books, which essentially, to the listening audience, for those who aren't familiar with What If comic books, but you, the audience probably knows about Elseworlds, the Elseworlds books, or even the Ultimate books. What If is where, where it all began. What If is exactly what it is. What if Spider-Man, what if Peter Parker was not the person bitten by the radioactive spider? So they had all these supposition, All these suppositions. All these suppositions that would make you explore what if Jane Foster, which is ironic, what if Jane Foster discovered, uh, was able to lift the hammer or discovered the cane that um, uh, uh, what the name? Don Blake picked up. So they had all these different things going on. Now the funny thing is, is that over the years, a lot of that stuff that, were, that was what if, that was not a part of canon, is canon. So, and even in the movies, that, that stuff, it, it, what if was very important. Whereas when I re- remember reading them, they were, they were necessary because it made you explore your imag- imagination. It made you toy with the, the idea of mythology and of canon. But now that so much time has passed, we we're talking about over 30 some odd years since these what if comic came out. Now, half this stuff is part of the movies and part of present day comic books. So I'm gonna put a link in there. Do, are you familiar with? The, oh, I know you're familiar. What are your thoughts about the What If? Comic books? What do you remember about them?
9: I was waiting for you to let me say something about that. I lo- absolutely love those comic books, and I'm gonna tell you what. One of the if you can get your hands on a copy, one of the best, one of my favorite comic books ever, was a What If comic book. It was drawn by Gene Colan. I can't remember who wrote it. Roy Thomas, is that what I want to say? What if the Invisible Girl Married Submariner? That comic oh, yeah. book is, that, oh, it shows Reed Richards as a petty, uh, petulant, you know, love-scorn, you know, super genius, and he becomes like a villain, a super villain. I don't want to give it away, but, you know, he he tries to do something that is way over the top, and his teammates are like, Reed, dude, what what's going on with you, man? Come on now!" Ah, oh, that was such a great comic book. Yeah, I love those. Uh, the first, the, the number one was uh, what if Spider Man had joined the Fantastic Four, right?
4: Yeah, For it not actually happened. Right. Well, I'm. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. I'd
9: I'm, love to know how much that comic book is worth right now. But oh, those were great.
4: Well, I'm looking at some of the uh, issues that. Evan had highlighted for his article, and again, I'm going to put the article in our chat room. It's entitled The Secret Beauty of Marvel's What If Comics. So, just a few that he has here one of them, I think this is uh, What If Number Two, is entitled What If the Hulk Had the Brain of Bruce Banner? Well, we saw, I mean, that's kind of present day. Uh, <laughs> really? You know what I mean? That, that's that's the Iron hat. The stuff. At number, uh, number 10, as I mentioned, number 10 is what if Jane Foster, Jane Foster had found the Hammer of Thor? Well, you don't have to worry about it anymore because he had an entire series devoted to that. As a matter of fact, I don't know what's going to happen thereafter because she's, she's, she's alive. Spoiler alert. She's alive because uh, she had cancer, and uh, she, she went through the treatment. So I guess she's, she's you know, cured or the cancer's in remission. And I think they still want her to have some kind of Asgardian connection. Hammer or not, they're going to figure out something. I, I actually liked her as a female Thor, and I liked the unworthy Thor. I like what they did. I mean, after so many years, you're going to have to explore this stuff anyway. And then it says, um, uh, what if 22 was, what if Doctor Doom had become a hero? Well, <clears throat> the last couple, of, last couple of years you had, uh, what was it called, The the... It wasn't called the Invincible Iron Man, but he had his own comic book where he he was rehabilitated, somewhat. Huh. And I liked. It. I thought it was. I thought it was very good. I think they might have just canceled he, it. And
9: I do know he led the Fantastic Four, for a particular story arc uh, a few years ago. Oh yeah, I think he yep. Reed had died and Doom was in charge of the Fantastic Four, wasn't he?
4: I think so. I'm pretty sure it was. It was this, the, the line was called uh, The Infamous Iron Man.
3: Okay.
4: And uh, unless it's. I know it ran for 12 issues. I mean, literally, if it, if it stopped, if it was canceled, it just canceled within the last couple of months. But I thought it was great because it really no, dealt it... with. Go ahead. Go
9: ahead, Q. Well, here's let me ask you this, and then I I'll, I'll, I'll want to get my conspiracy brother cap on. Was there ever a book called, if, if you recall, What If Gwen Stacy Had Been Bitten by the Radioactive Spider?
4: I don't know, but we know how that turned out.
9: Because <laughs> if there was, uh, and I'm like, these these writers these are just going back to the past and pulling from that and bringing it into the 616 universe.
4: Well, you know what? I'm going to try, because I'm looking at the publication history, of, um, but so yeah, had, had several different volumes. I mean, they, they've always brought back these what if books. I mean, I was only interested in, like, the first volume. I, mean, I think, I think the quality of the what ifs have d- just degraded. I mean, it was something special about the first iteration. And the first iteration lasted from 77 to 1984. But, uh, okay, see, this is some, this is some of, some of the, uh, the, the titles for the first volume. Um, yeah, like you said, the first issue was what if Spider Man had joined the Fantastic Four. Then you have what if Iron Man had been a traitor. So that's kind of the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, yep. it's, I mean, it's, there's a lot. I'm, I wish, unfortunately, I can't really. I'm, I don't have enough time on the, during this broadcast to really get into it, but I'm pretty sure. Wait a minute, list of what if issues. Okay, hold on. What if Spider Man? What if? What if the Hulk had the brain? As I said. What if the Avengers had never been? Well, that's kind of... Didn't we just see that? <laughs> didn't we just see that a couple of months ago? Somewhat? Yeah. Uh, what if Captain America had not vanished during World War II? Uh, what if What if the world knew Daredevil was blind? Well, <laughs> that that kind of sort of came about. I don't know if they retconned that, but there was a, a number of years where Daredevil's identity was uh, known.
2: Hmm. Huh.
9: Okay.
4: Uh, let's see. What if Rick Jones had become the Hulk? He had become a Hulk. A bomb. You see all wow. this stuff ended up Oh, get this. What if Sergeant Fury had fought World War Two in outer space? Okay. He <laughs> didn't fought well, it wasn't World War Two, but he did fight end up fighting uh in in outer space. And it says what if what if Nova had been four other people? Wow. Now, the, the issue, it says, the issue says, I'm going to just read this quickly. The issue examines the random decision for Richard Ryder to become Nova and looks at how things might have changed if the powers of Nova had been transferred to a, venge, to a vengeful wife whose husband had been murdered, a kind, home, a kind homeless black man in a universe with no superheroes, Peter Parker in a world where the radioactive spider had crippled him instead of giving him spider powers, and finally, an unknown character with a villainous personality. Yeah, I might have to, <laughs> I might have to revisit this, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, knowing me, I probably have this stuff. I just don't, I, I have too many books to go. And I not, I don't even know where to begin to find this thing. But uh, I don't remember this book at all. This is crazy. What if Doctor Strange were a disciple of Dormamo? Dormamo? Oh, I mean, I can you know these are all. Okay, oh, what if Gwen Stacy had lived?
9: Oh, that's the, I remember that one. Yeah.
4: Okay, what if Spider Man's clone had lived? All right. Well, we know what that what happened with that. I mean, almost almost all these things have either directly happened or indirectly happened.
9: Well, I mean, how old are these characters? You you know. They... Eventually, eventually, some of this stuff is going to see the light of day, you know, even though it's alternative universe stuff.
4: Now, there's one thing here that I remember. But, I, I mean, I remember the book, but I don't remember what happened. This is like almost one of the last issues of the first volume. It is, what if Spider-Man's Uncle Ben had lived? Oh, right. Aunt May was, now, that would have been interesting, too. Like, how would that would have played out? W- would there have been a difference? Huh.
9: Man, you gonna have me going back to the crates?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Now, mind you, this is the first volume. Now they had these other ones that you know. It, it, volume two was from eighty nine to ninety eight, so that ran for almost ten years. Uh, what if, what if the Punisher's family had not been killed? Okay, that might be, you know, that might be interesting. Okay, they, they got a couple. I mean, you have to go through. Them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this link. To the wiki page that has a list of all these what if issues in our chat room but you, you just have to kind of go into what the importance of some of this stuff and i, I kind of appreciate um evan highlighting this because this is like uh, part of my childhood and i do remember the, the, kind of this the the, the, the excitement Of reading a what I mean, what if was like a main thing. If you were like a a comic book guy, and especially a fan of Marvel comics, and the funny thing is, I never, I I don't think DC really had a version like this. Like you would have figured, I mean, they ended up doing Elseworlds. So Elseworlds is an equivalent, I guess, kind of sort of of what if, but what if was to me a little bit more more direct. I mean, it speaks to a lot of the of the of the linchpin. it's, It's like a linchpin thesis. For why these characters are who they are, like Uncle Ben is is the linchpin for why Spider Man is Spider Man, why Peter Parker is Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So to have a, a a book devoted to that, I find that just compelling. Gotta keep it. I gotta keep it real. So anyway, um, I just put a link to the for the audience to check that out, and I'm gonna put a link to uh, Evan Narciss or Narcisse. His, uh, his piece, courtesy of uh, io9gizmodo.com. It's good that these guys and gals, they explore some of this stuff on occasion. Especially the people who have no, really, no real familiarity with mythology. It might confuse them even more. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, well, D. Bert, um, I
9: I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you have something else before we run out of time. I really would like to get your opinion on um, the Into the Spider-Verse trailer. I saw it, but I saw it in front of, uh, I think, it was in front of Jurassic World, and I'm all in. I wanted to get your take on it, if you, unless you wanted to talk about something else.
4: Yeah, I could talk about. It. We actually spoke about this um, a little while ago when it first came out. Um, I was, I, I said the same thing you did. I was completely impressed with it, and just as, just as Incredibles two. Had me in their had me in their immersive world. Like the first Incredibles, yeah, I knew I was looking at a, at a comic. book. I'm sorry, I was looking at a cartoon. It felt cartoonish to me. But the second time around, it was, I guess they were hitting on some beats that were more mature. And after 14 years, there's going to be some subtle improvements with the animation, where you're seeing architecture. It had that 1960s vibe. The car was badass. Mr. Incredible's car. So there were things that brought me into the world of believability. It, it, it was it was very transitional from live action films to this animation, and I felt also with this Spider Verse film, I'm completely. You know, I'm looking at this and have just as much excitement for this film as any other Marvel or any other comic book movie. When I first heard about it, I was I wasn't. I, I might have been displeased. I thought that well. I would have preferred for Miles Morales to get a live action. That, that oh, can't well, yeah, happen.
9: of course, yeah, 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 of course.
4: But but having been somewhat displeased, but at, initially, but now actually seeing the product and kind of seeing this world, I'm completely into this thing. Completely, and I'm actually I'm curious. Curious. Look, I'm led to believe that this is going to make a lot of money. So if that's the case. What happens with other Marvel animated films? This can't be the first one. Is there going to be a separate MCU for animated stuff? Because so, some of the complaints that, we, that we've had is that DC is superior to Marvel when it comes down to the animated stuff, but they have yet right. to do uh, a movie except for this goofy Teen Titans thing that is purely geared for oh. children. It, it oh. is, it's a waste of time. I'm not going to see that. I'm not gonna see that, but but I'm pretty sure that this Spider Verse film is gonna put butts in seats. That's going to do it. So if, if so, if that's the case, how do they? Like, I'm I'm already expecting. Look, look, we gotta we gotta see other stuff. We gotta see a separate MCU Animated World with interconnectedness. Is that possible? Or, and is this? And is this Sony? Like, can can Sony only? Cause I think this is a Sony product. So what's oh, that spot, mean? yeah.
9: Yeah. Good question. And and you know what? If this is successful and I you know, it, clearly I can't get a fantastic for live action. So Anna, give me the animated one. And give me give oh, me okay. a Galactus that's not a smoke cloud. <laughs>
4: I, I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to have like negative energy on that because uh Disney paid 20 billion dollars more than they wanted to. And so far, uh Fox has accepted their offer. And I think that Fox is more inclined to accept their offer from Disney because they probably, will, they probably see themselves being able to um, withstand scrutiny from the government versus Comcast. If Comcast were to buy their stuff, they might have more difficulty in, in, in it actually passing muster. But I think it's actually going to go through. So if it goes through, we're, we're going to end up getting that FF movie that we've always wanted. And if it really goes through, we should we should hear some hints of some things even before we see the film. The first thing we're going to see is some kind of after credit scene or some kind of reference within the next six months to a year. I I'm, I'm already hearing there's some things coming out of the Ant-Man and Wasp film that's going to be mind blowing. That the that, that that the after credit scenes that it's it's something that's going to be pretty pretty big, something pretty oh. impressive. So already. You know, I can't wait for that film. Q, we got less than a minute. We got a closed shop. We had a, shower, a shorter show, unfortunately, but we're going to be back on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to have more clips of the video, Afro Nerd Radio YouTube imprint, so things are going along smashingly. If you want a dar- an After Dark show, folks, you got that Patreon page. We're looking for 50 patrons so we can do an actual After Dark, maybe in a different, in a different format. Probably will not be blog talk. It'll be something else. But... Patreon.com backslash Afro Nerd Radio. We could appreciate the support, and we're doing what we can. Q, as always, man, I appreciate, appreciate you coming through. This is one of the cuts from Luke Cage, The Thrill is Gone, Chris Stone, Kingfish, Ingram, Wednesday, 7 p.m. It's been Three.
1: Sorry Someday